This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. At One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating, our comfort specialist can handle any AC repair. Call 855-1-HOUR for $50 off your repair or visit OneHourAir.com. Always on time or you don't pay. Terms and conditions may apply. Independently owned and operated, licensed in their respective state or county. Hi, I'm Renee Summer, our digital news anchor here at 7 at 7. Watch our streaming nonstop newscast immediately with your mobile phone. 7 at 7 is the new way for you to get every bit of local news you need in just seven minutes. Breaking news, local neighborhood news, weather and sports are just a click away. Reporters bring you all of what's happening in the Valley. From Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, YouTube and more. Get every bit of local news you need from the RJ and LVRJ.com. What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review Journal talks about hockey and some special games within the sport, uh, including last night's clash between the Golden Knights and Colorado Avalanche. I am Ben Goetz, one of your Review Journal Golden Knights beat writers. Joining me on the other line this lovely Tuesday morning is my colleague Dave Shane. Dave, how you feeling, man? I'm exhausted after that game last night. I don't know about you. Like, that was just watching and it was so frenetic and then to have the ending and then to see them come out with the disappointment on their faces and have to give away their jerseys and muster some energy for that. Like I, I, that's where I'm at right now. I'm just like, ah, one more game. Okay. I don't know about you, but that that's, that's I'm at, I'm at stage. (laughs) So it's so funny where I'm at, uh, you know, the complete, opposite end of the spectrum where that game was so exciting and so eventful last night where I got like the residual adrenaline from like the players on the ice. It almost feels like, whereas I was hopped up when I got home last night, uh, didn't sleep that much, woke up, had to do a radio hit and was still flying, you know, barely had a sip any coffee this morning. So uh, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to break all this down because we have so much to get to in terms of what happened in last night's game. Uh, the implications of said game and what it could mean going forward for the Golden Knights and the playoffs. But before we get into all that, I need to remind everyone that the Golden Edge podcast is sponsored by One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating. Uh, we are also presented by Blue Wire Podcasts. Um, also, please check out all our written work at ReviewJournal.com. Uh, I have a feeling we're going to plug some stuff uh, during today's show, but uh, needless to say, if you want uh, some probably more detailed explanations than we're going to be able to provide on this show in terms of what happened uh, last night and the details that we'll try to go over. Uh, please head to our website. And of course, as always, if you guys could uh, rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts, please do to this one. All right, 
last night, Monday night, Avalanche. We thought it was going to be one of the games of the year going in. It absolutely delivered and was one of the games of the year coming out. Uh, But ultimately, uh, it did not go the Golden Knights way. So they entered the game with a chance if they beat the Avalanche in any fashion, they win the West Division third division title in four years, which is obviously incredibly impressive. They win the president's trophy for the best regular season record in the NHL, which is insanely impressive for a franchise that's only in its fourth season. Uh, But with all of this on the line heading into the game, there ended up being a twist, Dave. So before we even got into the game, uh, the Knights ended up dressing only 15 skaters because Peyton Krebs and Alec Martinez were injured in Saturday's game against the St. Louis Blues, and the Knights didn't have the salary cap space to call up their replacements right away. And this was such an unusual situation that the Knights put general manager Kelly McCrimmon behind a podium to try to explain this to us because I think the team knew uh, the fan base probably wanted some answers heading into the most important game of the year where their team is playing uh, three skaters short because 18 is the normal number. Now, they will be able to play with 17 for Wednesday's regular season finale against the San Jose Sharks, which obviously still has massive implications that we'll get into later. Um, the Knights will get emergency recalls to fill in for Krebs and Martinez in that game since they played shorthanded Monday against the Colorado Avalanche. Um, but Dave, I'm counting on you here. I need you to put on your best uh, salary cap wizard hat. And I use the word wizard intentionally because this stuff all just seems like magic uh, to those of us. I feel like on the outside and even, you know, myself who tries very hard to understand it and like actually reads the CBA and breaks it down. But how did the Knights get to the point where they had to dress uh, three skaters short in their most important game of the regular season. Uh, what's the best thing is non minutia filled explanation you're able to provide. Oh, well, we're, we're up a Creek. If I'm not, if I'm the one who has to be the wizard here and figure this all out, because I think I need about four Tylenols and, you know, maybe a cup of coffee to go with it with to, uh, to get rid of the headache that it's going to cause me. So, okay, well, let's let's go back to October to begin with, because this all starts there in terms of how the Golden Knights got to this point in forking out $8.8 million AAV to sign Alex Petrangelo over the next seven years. Well, right away, that puts them up against the cap, right? And they have to trade Nate Schmidt, and they have to do, you know, the Paul Stasny trade, and they, they squeeze their way under the cap to start the season in January. And we have the funky 13-5 set up with Keegan Colasar in there because, you know, they don't want to put him on the waiver wire and all that sort of stuff. So they they sort of, you know, ride the line, I guess you could say, of the salary cap all season. And then they add more at the trade deadline with Matias Yanmark. And they actually need two teams, Chicago and San Jose, to take on part of his salary to make this all happen. Uh, I bring this all up because basically I'm trying to illustrate they have like literally no room. They're right up against it. There's just nothing that they can do in terms of maneuvering. So let's get to the Peyton Krebs deal, right? So the last few games to get Peyton Krebs in the lineup, which they felt uh, Pete DeBoer said that 
Uh, Kelly McCrimmon said that they felt like him being in the lineup was their best chance to win. Well, because of the salary cap and all the funky things to fit Peyton Krebs in there, they can only go with 17. They can't afford 18 with him. Right. So he gets hurt the other day in that game. And this is where I'm a little bit still unclear in, in write this all down. Cause you can correct me later. So, so Krebs, because he was an emergency recall, like his status when he when he got called up to the team and all that and, and put on the roster was as an emergency recall because they're under the, the limit, blah, blah, blah. Well, because of his status as an emergency recall, they can't they can't replace him for the game. And then Alec Martinez gets hurt. They don't have the salary cap space to replace him. And so they're stuck with 15. And they like you said, for the next game, because they played shorthanded Against the Avalanche, then there's the rule. You know, the, it's like the emergency roster exception rule, I think. I, I forget the exact phrasing of that. They used it earlier this season. But that that partially explains why they had been going with 17 earlier and, and not 18. And then it just happens to be that Krebs is the one guy that, like, they can't replace. And then Alec Martinez gets hurt. So because they have no salary cap, it just puts them, you know, in an absolute bind, like you said, in in the biggest game of the year, I guess, like we said, we'll we'll talk. Like, does it, you know, was it worth it? I, you know, that's the ultimate question. Right. Absolutely. Did I do a good job? Was that? Does that explain it? Sorry. <laughs> I think that's about as good as we're gonna get with that. Like, really getting into the nitty gritty of the CBA, which I, you know, fans can uh, correct me. Uh, if I'm wrong, uh, my email is bgotz at reviewjournal.com or find me on Twitter at Ben S. Goats. Once again, G-O-T-Z. Uh, let me know if you really want us to do a deep dive into the CBA here. But I think, you know, that's about the surface level of kind of what people need to know. And I think you did a good job pointing out just off the top, Dave, that I mean, the Knights basically uh, not only did they know specifically when they put Krebs in the lineup that this was a possibility, Obviously, you know, it's a remote one in terms of, okay, you know, is he going to get seriously hurt in his first couple NHL games? But, you know, this kind of overall structure in terms of the salary cap is something they willingly signed up for entering the season once they made that move with Petrangelo. And, you know, you think about even the roster manipulation that they had to do around training camp in terms of waiving Nick Holden and kind of keeping his... Uh, salary on the taxi squad to lessen his cap hit um, throughout the year. That was something they had to do. Um, They've played, you know, with less than a full allotment of skaters already uh, nine times this year. Now Uh, they have not fared well in those games. Uh, They won the three straight actually with Krebs in the lineup against uh, the wild, the blues and then the blues, but those are their only three wins with playing with uh, less than a full deck other than that. So they are three, um, five and one, I believe in those nine games. So not a great record for the Golden Knights, especially when you compare it to their overall record, which uh, as we kind of set up top is literally uh, potentially the best in the NHL. And they still have a chance to be the best in the NHL, despite how last night's game went. But yeah, so that's the big question, Dave. I mean, you look at just those nine games And that could obviously potentially be the difference between them finishing in uh, first or second in the West Division. Now, the uh, their destiny 
is now out of their hands. They need help in order to win the division and the president's trophy. And obviously, specifically in last night's game, it was all on the line for them. And they played three skaters short and ultimately lost. So the question, and Kelly McCrimmon was asked this yesterday, were they basically Icarus flying a little bit close to the sun in terms of trying to really squeeze the most out of the salary cap that they could? Or ultimately, are these ends going to or you know justify the means if they are able to you know still win uh, the president's trophy or the West Division, or just more importantly, potentially go on a Stanley Cup run here? Yeah, and you know what? Let me go back real quick. I think I said something about like him being Pete and Krebs being an emergency recall. I'm not even sure if that's right. Like I'm so confused on all this stuff. Like I'm going back through Kelly McCrimmon's comments and. I, I, I think it has to do with his entry-level contract and the salary cap and all that. Anyway, point being, like, they just couldn't do it. Like, him specifically being hurt was, like, the one guy that just messed everything up, unfortunately. And then they've got all the salary cap issues and whatever. So, I that, anyway, I just wanted to circle back with that because somebody's going to hear this and say, hey, it was an emergency recall. And, and, yeah, call me out for that. Deserved. But, again, I think it just goes to show, like, how absolutely confusing and, and everything this is. Uh, to your question really, really quickly, I thought Ed Graney, our colleague and columnist at the, at the Review Journal, wrote a great column in terms of, you know, whether the ends justify the mean, whether the, the juice was worth the squeeze. I mean, I guess you could argue in some sense, you know, I didn't mention this, you know, when originally uh, ex- poorly explaining the whole salary cap situation. Um, you know, this also goes back to the goalie decision and keeping $12 million allocated for the goalies, every decision that they made really put them in a position to win the division with one game. I mean, for 54 games, everything that they did, you know, with all the gymnastics and and hoops that they jumped through, you know, it worked because it put them in a position to win the division and win the president's trophy. I guess you could say it burned them because that one particular game you know, despite the valiant effort, they just they just couldn't get to the finish. Uh, they just didn't have the bodies, didn't have enough offense going forward. You know, weren't able to just bunker down and hold that one goal lead. You know, I don't know. Was it worth it? We'll find out if they win the Stanley Cup. And I think that was that was Ed's point with all of this. You know, once we get past San Jose, all this stuff is irrelevant with the salary cap and me not being able to figure it out and and putting on a terrible wizard hat that, you know, should be a dunce cap, really. Um, it, because the salary cap doesn't matter in the postseason. So, you know, we'll find out. It, you know, if they win the Stanley Cup, then yeah, it was absolutely all worth it. And, and squeezing in Alex Petrangelo and allocating the money for the goalies, adding Matias Yanmark, doing everything that they did to get to that point will, will be worth it. You know, if it comes back to haunt them because of home ice or whatever, then... I guess you could have that argument. I think I'm on the side of Kelly McCrimmon with all of this, though, that those decisions, for the most part, worked out. Uh, if they win in San Jose, they'll be the only team, despite all of this, to all of the negatives, they'll be the only team in the league with 40 wins. They're the only team that can get there. That's pretty remarkable. So was it worth it? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I think for the most part, you'd have to say yes. 
At One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating, our comfort specialist can handle any AC repair. Call 855-1-HOUR for $50 off your repair or visit OneHourAir.com. Always on time or you don't pay time. Terms and conditions may apply. Independently owned and operated, licensed in their respective state or county. Look for 7 at 7, local streaming news from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Find it on your smartphone at the RJ app or it's available on Roku TV, Fire TV, and Apple TV. Download the app and you're ready to go for 7 at 7. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Yeah, so the crazy thing about this conversation, and you touched on it there, is that if the Knights are literally in any other division, this is essentially a moot point. Um, the Knights, still as of right now, um, are tied for the most points in the NHL with the Carolina Hurricanes. The Knights have the tiebreaker over the Hurricanes because they have more regulation wins. So if the Knights are in the East, the North, the Central, we're not probably spending as much time like breaking down like, oh, man, they've dropped all these points because they played shorthanded or whatever, because it wouldn't matter because they've produced an incredible point total on their own. What makes this all interesting and worth breaking down and talking about is the fact that Colorado is a uh, pretty darn good, too. And of course, is now uh, right on their heels and has a chance to uh, surpass the Knights by the end of the year. Um, so as we're talking uh, right now, for those of you that are not aware and have not looked at the standings. Uh, the Knights are two points ahead of the Avalanche. Uh, the Knights have one game left. The Avalanche have two. The Knights are playing in San Jose on Wednesday. The Avalanche are hosting the Los Angeles Kings, who, of course, already been eliminated on Wednesday and Thursday at home. Uh, if the Knights win their game and the Avalanche win both of their games, both teams will have 82 regular season points. But... Colorado has the tiebreaker because they will have more regulation wins than the Knights. So the Knights need to somehow finish with uh, more points than the Avalanche. So they need to win against the Sharks on Wednesday. And then they need the Avalanche to basically somehow drop a point, whether that's, um, you know, if the Avalanche have a win and then an overtime loss, it's good for the Knights. If the Knights obviously or the Avalanche lose in any fashion, either of those two games and the Knights win, you know, it all still works out for them in terms of they will be the president's trophy winner and the West division champion. And obviously um, this all is very interesting because the seating implications, as you mentioned, Dave, where it's not just, you know, whether the Knights get a home ice advantage uh, all throughout the playoffs or not, which obviously is very important to them because they've started to allow more fans back in the building. Um, I think they're around like 7,500. So that's an advantage compared to a lot of the other uh, markets they could potentially play in where capacity is more limited. Uh, but, you know, we've seen them be very successful against the St. Louis Blues, which is who they would play if they end up winning the division. They are 6-1-1 one, and one against the Blues compared to, you know, if they fall to the two spot, they would play the Minnesota Wild, who has given them a lot more trouble. And maybe, you know, by the time uh, people are listening to this, the matchups are more clear because uh, we're recording this on Tuesday. And after the game Wednesday, it's possible that it all shakes out. But that's, you know, obviously what ends up 
being on the line here is it's a much less favorable matchup for the Knights if they fall to the two spot. Uh, but it is interesting, you know, like if they were basically in any other division, all this kind of minutiae stuff and these random drop points wouldn't be an issue. Just Colorado is obviously so good as well that, uh, you know, Pete DeBoer said it numerous times throughout the year. Like it just feels like Colorado never loses. So the Knights can't afford to lose at all either. Yeah. And you know what? Like, I mean, let's talk about the game last night in terms of Pete DeBoer obviously came in to the media availability availability, excuse me, on Zoom and, you know, was not in the best mood. And that was understandable. I mean, I think the disappointment, you know, was pretty evident from everybody, you know, in that game. I mean, they did. They. They played 54 games to put themselves into position to win everything. And. You know, like you said, they just happen to play in a division, you know, that that puts them in second place, like bad luck. You know, the way that the divisions drew out this year, you know, the three central division teams are, are going to be the path that the Golden Knights have to get through. And I bring up Pete DeBoer because obviously, you know, he got angry last night. Uh, the press conference, you know, ended abruptly, but. I think, you know, his deal was he he wanted no negatives like he was just trying to be everything positive out of that game. He was proud of his team and and he just, you know, which, you know, OK, you can't, you know, they lost the game like you got to to me like you know, it's not too much to answer what happened on a goal or something like that. But anyway, I, I bring that all up because, like I said, in, in his mind, in the team's mind, their effort and everything about that game was positive. Everything about this season so far has been is positive. If they don't win the division, if they don't win the president's trophy here, you know, in the next couple of days, it doesn't mean they had an unsuccessful season. You know, they can still they've proven they can win in Denver if they have to go through Colorado. You know, I guess you could say they proved last game that they could win in Minnesota. It's a hard place to play, but you know, maybe they learned their lessons those games if they can play 60 minutes instead of 58-ish, you know, then maybe the series is a little bit different than the regular season series. But I think the point in all of this is that, you know, once the the Knights get to, 50, you know, game 56 here, and if they win, you know, number 40, like, it's not a bad thing. It's not the end of the world that they lost this game. I think it was interesting to hear the avalanche and the buildup and to hear, you know, Jared Bednar talk about like, yeah, you know, home ice is important. And for Colorado, they wanted home ice or and all of that sort of stuff because they play well at home. But to him, and he said this, it's not the be all end all. And you still have to win on the road and you still have to go play tough teams. So, you know, regardless of what happens here, the Golden Knights had a successful regular season. In that sense, all the stuff we talked about before was worth it. And now it's basically cup or bust, which is you know, the position that they were in to start, you know, to start the season here and the expectations and where the bar was set. No, definitely. Uh, just a quick go back in terms of, uh, you know, Bednar talking about home ice isn't the end all be all. Um, and this was obviously something that we were going to discuss if the Knights had actually ended up uh, winning last night. Uh, the president's trophy is not exactly a, a good luck charm if you're an NHL team. Uh, the last President's Trophy winner that actually ended up winning 
the Stanley Cup was the 2012-2013 Chicago Blackhawks, and they did that in actually a shortened season as well. That was the lockout shortened season. Uh, other than that, uh, no team has made the Stanley Cup final that has also won the President's Trophy since that Blackhawks season. Um, and only one team, the 2014-15 New York Rangers, even made the conference finals. Uh, it has definitely not been a blessing to win the president's trophy. There's obviously, you know, I think NHL teams have started to learn because of how tight the playoffs are that uh, you need a little bit of a longer view sometimes. Um, but I do want to quick, uh, you know, before we wrap up here, do get into the actual game a little bit last night. And as I said, the Knights ended up losing two one. Um, they came out and had a, Pretty incredible uh, first two periods. They outshot the Avalanche uh, 29 to 13. Uh, Their defense was excellent. They were uh, swarming the Avalanche. They were pressuring them. They were not giving them a whole lot of time in the defensive zone. And then they were creating good opportunities the other way. Um, I thought Colorado goaltender Philip Grubauer was excellent in keeping his team in it. Um, And then of... you know, Andre Burakovsky makes a really good play to kind of toe drag between two Golden Knights defenders into the slot and beats Robin Leonard to make it 1-1 in the second. And then as you kind of, you know, hinted at Dave, it just seemed like, and Mark Stone kind of pushed back on this a little bit after the game, that the Knights seemed to run out of gas. I believe they only had one shot on goal the final 10 minutes of the third period, and that came uh, with Leonard on the bench. So the Knights had an extra attacker. And in that Time. That's when Colorado ended up getting the game-winning goal from uh, JT Comfer, uh, kind of ironically set up by uh, Alex Newhook, who is the Avalanche's top prospect who has been called up for the stretch run. And obviously he was healthy and in the lineup, whereas obviously that was not true um, for the Knights. So that was an interesting subplot. But, you know, the Knights, as you kind of mentioned, gave it, really they're all and really pushed the avalanche for the majority of that game, despite, you know, a lot of guys playing heavy minutes. Uh, Shea Theodore was at 29 and a half minutes. Uh, Alex Petrangelo was at 29. Basically I think it was eight guys played more than 20 and all but three guys played more than 17. So big team effort. And, you know, for the most part, it looked like it was going to end up being pretty successful, but it ultimately came out short. Yeah. And I mean, like I said earlier, a valiant effort. It just, it sort of felt like they got the goal and you're trying to nurse the lead. And as soon as it got to 1 1, just the the atmosphere in the building changed. You could feel everybody sort of on that knife edge. Um, I made a comment. I'm not, I'm going to try not to give away any spoilers if you haven't seen Ted Lasso, but that felt like the, se- the season finale of Ted Lasso. And I love the title of it and that whole like, it's the hope that kills you. Like, I'm sure there are fans at home just agonizing over it. And that's the beauty of hockey. Like, it's a 1-1 game. And every rush up the ice could be the one that, you know, either puts you down or puts you ahead. And then you've got to, like, chew on your fingernails for however long to, you know, see it out to the finish. And and the Knights just weren't able to get there. I mean, Colorado was, I guess, opportunistic and taking advantage of a couple bad line changes. Uh, I think certainly the second one, you know, like you said, giving Alex Newhook, you know, the room uh, down that right wing. So 
you know, I mean, maybe that's just the the effect that that those are the things that happen in a you know in a game when you're down to 15 skaters and and maybe there's just a little bit of you know a different situation on the bench. You know, you're you're trying to sort out a little bit who's going and maybe you're a step slow. Um, you know, coming off wh- whatever it might be, but you know, I I again, I just I don't want to sound like I don't want to put on my fan hat here, but like in some regard, I think you have to applaud them in terms of they control that game. And as much as you thought, like, uh, you know, from the avalanche side, you're looking at it going, you know, oh, we've got a huge opportunity. They have like hardly anybody on their roster and they have about five defensemen and all, you know, we, we should win the division. And the avalanche had to basically do the same thing, bite their nails and white knuckle that thing all the way just to get there. So for the Knights to make it as, as troubling and to make it as hard as it was to to nearly pull that thing out. I mean, I think Pete DeBoer actually deserves, deserves excuse me, a lot of credit for, you know, drawing up a game plan and, and nearly having that thing work. Yeah, absolutely. It was definitely a good effort from the Knights, you know, but they came up short. We will see, of course, in the coming days um, how much that ends up affecting the standings don't want to be too definitive because, of course, once again, we're recording this on Tuesday morning. And who knows how this thing might shake out by Wednesday night or Thursday. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Golden Edge podcast. Uh, we will try to do another one of these things when it's more definitive and the Knights have their playoff opponent. And so uh, hopefully, you know, around the weekend, we will break down their first round matchup for you guys once that is locked in. Uh, but until then, a quick thank you to our sponsor, One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating. As a reminder, we are also presented by Blue Wire Podcasts. Um, please check out some of our written work at reviewjournal.com. Uh, Dave mentioned our colleague Ed Greeny had a really good column about the Knights' approach to the salary cap this year. Um, Dave wrote a game story if you want to read that. And I kind of wrote how the ice time ultimately broke down for the Golden Knights when they were playing with 15 skaters on Monday. Um, and as always, if you guys could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts, please do to this one. We would very much appreciate it. Uh, I'm Ben Goats. That's Dave Shane. We are the Golden Age Podcast, and we'll talk to you guys again real soon. One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating, our comfort specialist can handle any AC repair. Call 855-1-HOUR for $50 off your repair or visit onehourair.com. Always on time or you don't pay. Terms and conditions may apply. Independently owned and operated, licensed in their respective state or county. Your time is valuable, so we've built a seven-minute non-stop newscast that fits into your daily routine. I'm Jen Ah. Seven at Seven keeps you informed anytime, anywhere. Look for top stories, weather, sports and sports betting, business, lifestyle, and entertainment. Get every bit of local news you need in seven minutes. Watch 7 at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Streaming nonstop 24-7 from the Las Vegas Review-Journal on your mobile or smart TV. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.